Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. It's 7.05 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. 6.30 Chad Eskimos tomorrow. 5 o'clock countdown to kick off with Dave and Morley. Game at 6.30. Eskimos at Bombers. Then they're home for two Friday night games. June 22nd, home opener against Hamilton. June 29th, they will play Ed Hervey and the British Columbia Lions. I was uh, saying you can text in your Great Cup prediction to 6.30-6.30. I know from a lot of the preseason stuff, they're the probably the largest consensus is that the Montreal Alouettes are going to be terrible. And a lot of people picking BC to finish last in the West. Uh, I think t- Toronto should be uh, pretty good again. I think you know Ottawa has always been been decent, and I actually think Hamilton is going to be pretty good. They came on a lot last year. June Jones had a had a pretty positive impact. Mazzoli was good, and they got Manziel waiting. And I, and I think Manziel can can be good in the uh, Canadian Football League. Jordy says the Eskimos will beat Hamilton 43-39 to win the Grey Cup. An anonymous te- well, people texting in score. That's confident. Yeah, no Texting kidding. in a score 24 weeks ahead of the Grey Cup. That's pretty <laughs> cool. I, I don't go that nuts. <laughs> uh, Hamilton over Saskatchewan 24-20. Dirk and Cochran. Here's a good one. The Toronto Argos, quarterbacked by James Franklin, will beat the Stampeders for the Grey Cup in Edmonton. That is Dirk and Cochran. So he's calling Franklin replacing Ray by the end of the season. Or maybe Ray's hurt. I don't know. Sam G., loyal texter, great guy. Hi, Reed. Maybe I'm being a homer, but Edmonton-Toronto in the Grey Cup. Edmonton wins. And D-Man says... Close one, but the Kitty Cats lose to the Polar Guys in the Grey Cup. Please read, I need a Rob Brown fix soon. Well, we'll try to get Rob on before the end of June, because I think he goes to BC all summer where you can't get him on a cell phone. Or at least that's what he tells me. Hey, Rob, maybe I could have you on the show this summer. Oh, no, cell phone doesn't work. Sorry, Reed. Yeah, he goes out in the hills and tries to track down, you know, Puma and other... <laughs> wildlife in BC. I think he water skis and golfs all day. Ah, okay. Let's, let's there we not, go. Rob's a tough guy, but let's not make him sound to be like he's <laughs> the uh, <laughs> quite quite the what was that uh, man tracker show? Was that what it was called? Yeah, I think that's what it was. This man tracker. Yeah. Wasn't Shane Doan on that? I believe so. In an episode. Yeah. All right. 
Another texter says the Blue Jays in Tampa Bay are not playing tonight. You just announced a score of 0-0 in the bottom of the fifth on a replay of a game that was played earlier today. I did do that. Probably one of the stupidest things I've ever done on live radio. So there it happened. I don't even feel that embarrassed about it because I'm, I'm used to doing dumb things. Uh, I screwed up. The, the game ended Tampa Bay uh, won one nothing. I, I do have the replay. Okay, just think, I didn't wa- I didn't watch the game because I was uh, getting my show ready, so I didn't even watch the game. Uh, Graham says Edmonton, the West qualifier, will lose to the Calgary Stampeders, the East qualifier. Graham adds, sorry to say it. So Graham's calling Calgary to be the crossover team, win the East, come into Edmonton, and beat Edmonton to win the Great Cup. That's a bold prediction too. Here's yeah. what here's my here's what I'm saying about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Chris Jones is is a really good CFL coach. Yeah, he won the Grey Cup here in Edmonton. Gets his teams to play fast. Is able to find good athletes who can make plays. Enables his teams to make plays. He's he is far from an offensive coach. Uh, they will have a quarterback this year who I still think is pretty good in Zach Kalaros. And and I know. He's had injury troubles, and I really hyped him up in Winnipeg. I think I picked, or when he was in Hamilton, I think I picked Hamilton to win the East a couple of times, and he was the quarterback. Never panned out for him, has always been hurt. Interesting how Jones built that team, basically getting a quarterback last. I mean, they spent most of last year going back and forth between Bridge and Glenn, and that probably cost them the East final because they didn't really settle on a quarterback in that game until the fourth quarter. And they still almost won it. They got a special teams touchdown. That's another signature of Chris Jones' teams. They, they are dangerous on special teams. I don't think Saskatchewan is the best team in the league right now, but I, I worry, as an Edmontonian, that by the end of the year, they will be. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to finish first in the West, but Jones tends to figure a lot of things out with his team get them playing confident, get them playing downhill, so to speak, get them playing fast, get them executing sharply. And I, I, you know, I had DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington in studio after they won the Grey Cup, and I said, you guys, in 2015, I said, you guys ran like four offensive plays over and over again all year. They said, yeah, pretty much. We didn't do anything overly creative on offense, but we did it quick and we executed, and, and we knew the plays we had to make. So that's why I think Saskatchewan is going to be very dangerous and more dangerous as the year goes on. As for the East, I don't know. It's easy to pick Toronto because they were there last year. They have Ray. They have some you know, depth and promise with Franklin at quarterback. And they have Trestman coaching them. And he's, he's been outstanding. I'm going to go off the board a little bit and say Hamilton gets better as the year goes on and uh, maybe figures it out. So I'll go with Saskatchewan over Hamilton. And I uh, hope that I am wrong. Uh, this texture says, Hi, Reed, Saskatchewan over Hamilton. Bring your mom to Regina for a game. She, uh, she will be a fan of the Riders after. Oh, I can guarantee that wouldn't happen. <laughs> she would be less a fan of the Riders and Rider Nation if she went to a game in Regina. I can guarantee you that. We'll take a quick timeout. Very interesting interview when we get back. Bruce Wilson was the captain of the Canadian soccer team that qualified for the World Cup in 1986. He's coming up. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 
Canada, Mexico, United States selected to co-host the World Cup in 2026. Canada played in the tournament only one other time in 1986 in Mexico. Bruce Wilson, longtime coach at the University of Victoria, was the captain of that 1986 squad. Bruce, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Not bad at all. Uh, good news for Canada. Incredible news. Uh, long awaited and, and perhaps long overdue. Now, did you get, get up at 3 or 4 a.m. Pacific time for the announcement, or what was your experience when you heard? Uh, no, I was just happy to hear it. It's kind of a disappointment. Vancouver uh, is not one of the cities, but good for Edmonton, good for Toronto, and, and good for Montreal. And, and to be honest, good for Canada. It's uh, an automatic berth, and it's something definitely to look forward to as uh, a few years go by. Well, it, it is pretty exciting, and I, and I know obviously they still have to nail down the schedule and, and uh, which cities are actually going to host, and that's going to happen in 2020, but I, I think there's a, a fair bit of optimism that, that Edmonton will, will likely get you know, may, maybe three or even four of the ten games that are slated to be in Canada. Give me your perspective, Bruce, as, as a former member of the national team and uh, you know, as a longtime member of the soccer community. I mean, I know you live in BC, but you, you're in Edmonton a lot for, for games against the U of A or meetings or whatever. I mean, do you think Edmonton's facility and the past hosting experience on the men's and women's side, I mean, if, if you're making the schedule, is it a no-brainer to you that Edmonton's on the docket? Well, without a doubt. Um, Edmonton will definitely support it. Um, who knows what games will be going where, but, um, you know, they've proven in the past at the university level, Alberta is very, very strong on both women and men. And um, and, and good for, for them putting their name up forward. Uh, again, I go back to Vancouver backing out because of, you know, their, their worries about FIFA and their agreement, open-ended agreement, but uh, it's a win-win for Edmonton, a win for Toronto, and a definitely win for Montreal. All right. You know, so Canada's going to be in the, the World Cup, uh, which hasn't happened since 1986. And I want to get some of your memories of that because you were the captain of that team. But I, I was checking the latest FIFA World Rankings earlier today. Russia, as the host team, goes into the tournament starting tomorrow as 70th in the world. Well, that's still better than Canada, sitting at 79th. I mean, look, Bruce, you know what it's, it's, it's been like. We, we keep hoping we're going to have a team that, that climbs the rankings and... And, and gets in through actual qualification, not not being being a host. I mean, what? Let's look back first. What's kept Canada out of being one of the top three in Concacaf and, and able to get in? What have been the shortcomings in your mind? Well, without a doubt, we uh, it's, it's something that you brought up is very true. We did qualify back in '86, uh, and it was directly due to the fact of the NESL, the old professional league in North America. And they had a rule in the North American League that Canadians were equal to American in the league, and you must play three of those players at all times, must be on the field, which really, really helped our national team down the road because we had a number of players playing not only in Canada, but in teams in the States as well. So that rule really did help us. We played 10, 11 years in the North American League, uh, which we followed up with our World Cup uh, win. And uh, it, I, I think it came down to directly being involved in a pro league. 
So you've got to be optimistic then that, that some cities here, Edmonton included, are trying to get this Canadian Premier League rolling for next spring. You know what? It, it will, without a doubt, help our national team for sure. Uh, I think they will rely heavily on Canadian content, uh, where the MLS really over the last, well, since they started, it was a huge benefit to the American uh, uh, numbers, but not necessarily to Canada. So we definitely need something besides the MLS, and I think the Canadian League down the road would be the answer. Bruce Wilson joining us on Inside Sports tonight, longtime coach at the University of Victoria, highly successful there, also played for Canada in the 1986 World Cup. So uh, be- between now and then, and we, we just touched on the CPL, how do we make sure we develop the players who are now, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14? So, you know, in eight years, or, or even like the young Alfonso Davies who, who spoke today, how do we make sure in eight years these guys are in peak form? How do we get from where we are now to being, I'm not saying Canada is going to win the World Cup in 2026, but being a very competitive host nation? Well, a good point and I go back to the, the uh, NESL days um, when we started back in 74 with Vancouver we the, you know the, the Whitecaps were basically a Canadian team we had like 15 Canadian players on the team and of course the owners of the Whitecaps back then said we wanted to develop Canadian players but in fact they didn't want to spend money on import players <laughs> so, so we benefited from that for sure and, you know, as I said, the NESL, we were playing against, you know, Pelé, Beckenbauer, Georgie Best. And, and playing against quality players like that only helped our Canadian players get better and better. And I think that is the goal of the Canadian League, is to get Canadian players playing at the highest level possible. Yeah, well, I, I hope it I, I hope it does well and, and really helps develop Canadian talent. You know, I, I want to go down memory lane with you a little bit. Obviously, Canada was in the World Cup in 1986 uh, in a pool with the Soviet Union, France, and Hungary. The results were uh, three losses, one nil to France, two nil to Hungary, and two nil to the Soviet Union. Um, you know, Bruce, I'm going to test my memory here too because I, I was 12 watching that tournament. But didn't you guys take France into the 80th minute? And weren't were you kind of out playing them and then they got one late? Am, am I remembering that right? You got that right. It, uh, it, it was. It, we were playing against the European champions, the French, who were ranked really high in the world. Uh, with Platini and company on the team. And uh, you're right, it was, uh, we were a little bit worried of getting blown out of the waters there in the first game in the World Cup. And yet, we played very well. I thought we played extremely well, considering uh, they ended up scoring a goal. Uh, Papin scored with, I believe it was 16, 17 minutes ago in the game. Uh, and we were very close to, uh, to getting a point there. Well, that was a tough one, and then, and then obviously I mentioned the 2-0 losses. You know, Bruce, it's got to be a different experience for you hearing other people talk about that tournament because people like me who are old enough to remember often say, yeah, well, we made it. We didn't score a goal, and then you just kind of, kind of brush it off. Probably frustrating for you to hear it summed up that way, eh? Well, that's true. I mean, we didn't score a goal, and we didn't win a game, but you know what? I go back to the year before the World Cup when we qualified to get into the World Cup You know, I go back to the biggest game Canada's ever played, as far as I'm concerned, was against Honduras in in, uh, 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 Newfoundland. 
and we won that game and that put us through to the World Cup. And I'm going to tell you what, for me, that was the biggest highlight of my career, winning that game. Yeah. When you were a part of the World Cup as a player, obviously the games, I'm sure, are the most memorable to you. But what was it just like being in a country for that tournament you know what i mean like there's there's so much going on there's games all around the country obviously you were you know it's in a in a country where where uh so, you know in mexico where soccer's the number one and it's you know the, the 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 passion of a lot of people what's it just like being there for the tournament and the whole vibe that's going on it was fantastic there's no question about that you got to remember most of our players had played in the north american league for 10 years 11 years and you know what, we, we had some good professional background. And if you look back two years before the 86 World Cup, we were in the, uh, the Olympics. And uh, by the way, we ended up uh, advancing to the quarterfinals in the Olympics in 84. And we lost to Brazil uh, on penalty shots. So we, we had a really good success there in 84, which kind of started building us towards the 86 World Cup. So we, we had a pretty good background heading into the World Cup years. Yeah. You know, Bruce, I, I should touch on your coaching career as well, because obviously you, you've been incredibly successful uh, through about three decades with the University of Victoria, and uh, I'm sure U of A, one of your chief rivals over the years. I mean, when you were playing, did you think, yeah, I'm going to coach someday? Was that an obvious path for you, or, or what was the transition like at the time? Well, it was funny. Uh, when I graduated from UBC many years ago, um, I graduated as a teacher, and uh, and the Whitecaps started that year, so I turned pro that year and never really thought about teaching for a long time. And then when I did finish playing, yes, that was a definite, natural step. I thought coaching would be perfect for me, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get a call from the University of Victoria. And that was way back when, 1988. So would you think, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, Bruce, here, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So, so would you think that, you know, once we get around to selecting the, you know, the, the team that's hopefully a great team for 2026, do you think it's going to be players who have taken a path through CIS and then pro? More likely we're going to be taking Canadians who have gone to Europe or, or to play. What do you think is more likely once we get there? Well, you know what? The bottom line is, if I'm coaching a Canadian team, I'm taking the best players possible. And, you you know, the, the, the leagues you mentioned certainly are the leagues you're going to look for. I mean, if you've got players playing in Europe at a very high level, they are definitely going to be looked at. The players playing in the MLS will definitely be looked at. And, of course, the players playing in the new Canadian League will be looked at. So, again, it's a, it's a very good situation for a, a coach coming into it. Uh, and the fact is, Canada does not have to qualify, so they are going to be in the tournament. Bruce, this was great talking to you. You have a, obviously a very unique and informed perspective on what's going on here, and I hope we can talk again. All the best, man. Not a problem, and thanks for the call. Great to meet Bruce Wilson. Longtime coach of the men's team at the University of Victoria, three national championships, and the captain of Canada's 1986 World Cup team. I know somebody texted in saying, uh, I think you better check. I don't think hosting the games guarantees Canada a place in the World Cup. That is technically correct. They have not actually said that. 
but all indications are that Canada, the United States, and Mexico would all be in as tri-hosts. It's hard for me to envision a situation where they would say, you're going to host some games, but your country won't be in it. I think we can very safely assume that Canada will be in that World Cup. A little more uh, Eskimos Bombers preview when we get back. We'll see what's going on with Doug Brown. He'll give his take on Chris Strevler, the unknown quarterback that's going to play for the Bombers. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Excellent guitar riff. Trucker Dave. Edmonton 37, Ottawa 29 for the Grey Cup. Frustrated fan, West Final, Eskimos over Lions, East Final, Riders crossover, beat the Tiger Cats. Grey Cup, Eskimos 40, Saskatchewan 12. That is from Frustrated Fan. We're doing our, as Kellen Kennedy just de- just uh, named them during the commercial break, our insanely early Grey Cup predictions. There are mm-hmm. preseason Grey Cup predictions. Well, We're encouraging listeners to make their picks. It's We, we do this rarely, technically sometimes. The pre- technically, the preseason is wrapped up because the first game's tomorrow. You know so. what I mean. It's this is the, the before the season. Before the season, yeah. Still preseason. Insanely. Who, what early. are your? What is your? Well, I am taking Saskatchewan over Hamilton, mm-hmm. reluctantly and painfully. Okay. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm a home, I'm an Eskimos fan, so I got to have my hometown Eskies in the Grey Cup in the hometown. So I'll take them coming out of the West. I'll take a Western team crossing over, and that team will be the British Columbia Lions. Wow. Edmonton so, over BC in the Grey Cup. In the Grey Cup, I'll give them the rush score, twenty-one twelve. Or your <laughs> the rush score because I'm it's insanely early. Why not? <laughs> I'm not picking a score. <laughs> Why not? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is our phone number. You can text six thirty six thirty. The Blue Jays lost earlier today, one nothing to Tampa Bay in the replay on Sportsnet, which I gave the score for earlier. They are scoreless in the bottom of the eighth. But uh, they lost one nothing. The Edmonton Prospects uh, just getting underway in Brooks. They lost 9-4 last night. Next home game for the Prospects at REMAX Field, 7 o'clock Friday. They will take on Lethbridge. More on the Oilers' preseason schedule on 630Ched.com. And uh, also more on the World Cup coming to Canada, the United States, and Mexico on our website. The vote today, 134-65 to 65 over Morocco. We'll know in 2020 if Edmonton is going to host games. I think it's a pretty good bet that we will. Eskimos at Blue Bombers tomorrow, 5 o'clock countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 6.30. Doug Brown, former Blue Bomber, now an analyst for the team on our sister station, CGOB. Doug, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. 26 degrees there in Winnipeg. Can't complain. Nice, nice day, nice day. All right, so I'll, I'll ask you right off the top, uh, what was your ideal temperature to play in when you were a, you were a player? Because you you played on both sides of the border, obviously in all kinds of conditions. Yeah, well, that was that was about 25 pounds ago, and uh, definitely <laughs> cooler days, right? Not not too cold, but certainly, I'd say about. Uh, well, 20 degrees Celsius would be a nice temperature to play in for a heavier set fella. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you remember the, the the muggiest or the most uncomfortable heat you ever played in? 
Yeah, when I was playing in uh, in Washington with the Redskins, uh, the humidity down there is something unreal. It's really unlike anything I've uh, seen before anywhere. So training camp down there is just, wow, you survive that and you can get through anything. Yeah, I mean, as much as as Canadians, we we play, but we uh, complain about the cold. When it gets muggy, I always uh, <laughs> just turn into a, a weak mess for sure. Uh, d- tell me, tell me this: wh- how did uh, how did a playing Doug Brown treat that that final week between the last preseason game and the start of the regular season? I mean, were were you just raring to go to get ready? Were you pretty calm? What do you remember? Uh, yeah, probably depends uh, which year, but. Um, it's always exciting just to start getting involved in games that matter and mean something and to have, you know, survived training camp relatively unscathed and just to uh, get your schedule in set and in place for the, for the entire regular season. It's, uh, it's just uh, comforting and uh, a nice realization as a player, hey, you know, things are getting important. Things are going to be meaningful now. Time to go forward and see what you can do. All right. Well, Eskimos and Bombers tomorrow. Uh, here's here's the big question: Do you have a scouting report on Chris Strevler, a, a guy nobody knew about until a few days ago, at least outside of Winnipeg, when the Bombers named him their starting quarterback? Yes, I have uh, two games worth. Uh, pre- <laughs> first preseason game, he was unbelievable, and the second one against BC, I thought he was terrible. So there you go. He's either going to be excellent or awful tomorrow night. I can promise you that. That is the current only available scouting report available on Strubler. Yeah, there, there's not a lot. This this is going to be an interesting one. I, I know some Eskimos fans are, are feeling confident, but I've, I've said, look, we don't know. Do you remember Ricky Ray's first game? He, he, was, pretty, he was pretty good. So, yeah, this is either another young guy that struggles or is, is this the start of a long and incredible career, right? Yeah, you know, people say sometimes – Guys that start their first game, teams have a little bit of trouble with them. They can have, you know, these new quarterbacks can have good games initially because no one has any film on them. No one knows what to, to, what, what to expect. No one has a, a, a larger idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are so they can get away with stuff, right? Later on, once the film gets out there, they can identify what you do well, what you don't do well, and then uh, attack those weaknesses, right? But minimize those strengths. But sometimes new quarterbacks can catch a team off guard but yeah Mike Riley versus the the new rookie making his first regular season start on paper that does not sound very good no, on, well, yeah, not not to be a, a homer, but I, I think it's common sense. Uh, that's that's a, on paper. That's a matchup that favors the Edmonton Eskimos for sure. You know, Riley was. Uh, do, you, do you pay any attention to these top fifty lists that TSN does? And they put Riley uh, Riley at the top. Did you, I don't. Maybe you even vote on that, Doug. What do you think of those lists? I used to vote on it, but I don't know if they punted me because I'm not a TSN guy, so I'm not sure. But <laughs> once upon a time, I used to vote on them. That's more, I think that's a hype piece just to, I don't know how you can uh, quantify and measure players from different positions against each other. Like everyone knows that the defensive linemen are always the most important part of every single football team. So the fact that a quarterback is number one, you know, it's just, it's such a, uh, it's such a meat grinder, that assessment of the top 50 players 
Uh, everyone's got a different list, but obviously quarterbacks, very critical the outcome of the game, and Mike Riley is a very deserving one to be at the top of the list, I think. Doug Brown joining us on Inside Sports, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, now an analyst for the team on CGOB in Winnipeg. So, Doug, you know, we, we know what it's been like for the Bombers. It, it's been a long time since they've won the Grey Cup. They've had some tough years. They've had some really good years th- that have ended in playoff disappointment, including last year, where obviously after a, a failed fake punt, and I know there was more to the game than that, but, you know, Edmonton kind of took over for about 20 minutes after that and, and pulled away. Give me a sense of, of the mood around this uh, Bombers team. Uh, what's your level of optimism that, that they can be a contender come October and November? Well, I think it's just going to come down to how long Matt, Matt Nichols is out. How long is he injured for? Is it really going to be four to six weeks as advertised? Uh, did they really get off lucky or will there be a, a quote uh, setback? And uh, that can stretch longer. So. Uh, it's also going to be dependent upon how big of a hole they dig with uh, a rookie quarterback, you know, cutting his teeth and and making mistakes that they all do initially. No matter how good a a rookie quarterback is, there are still going to be mistakes and errors made and problems. And this team and this offense is really predicated on ball security and defensively taking the ball away. So if they're giving up a bunch of turnovers, if they're not winning that turnover battle, you know, that, that takes them out of what their game plan is each and every week going into it. He's got to be smart. He's got to be cautious. He's got to be conservative with the football. And, you know, sometimes new quarterbacks just throw caution to the wind. And that's what I saw from Strebler last week against the BC starters. He just chucked it up for grabs a few times, hoping, you know, this guy would win. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. In fact, the first two series... I saw Strebler play last week against the BC Lions. He should have been intercepted both times. Uh, luckily, he was only intercepted one time. So he's going to really have to minimize uh, those errors if this team is going to have uh, any opportunities to win some games over this next four to six weeks. Yeah, for sure. Doug, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I know we always talk a few times throughout the season. Always enjoy it. Have fun tomorrow, man. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Enjoy the weather, guys. We'll see you out here. Doug, ba- uh, Doug Brown checking in tonight, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, radio analyst with the team on CGOB. Always interesting to talk to him, and he said it about Chris Strebler. He has two games worth of scouting report, one really good. That was against the Eskimos, one really bad. And uh, as he said in his last preseason game, he uh, had the tendency to just chuck it up under pressure and probably should have been intercepted more times, uh, even more times than he was. So that's something if the Eskimos can get after him, force him, maybe make some panicked throws, could be a big advantage. But the Eskimos' injuries in the secondary, plus Aaron Grimes, has uh, left the team to attend to a personal matter this week. So that'll be the challenge for the green and gold. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, you can text 6.30, 6.30. I have a couple of very amusing early Great Cup predictions. I'll get to those. And Jesus, when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. I call them preseason predictions. Kellen Kennedy calls them insanely early predictions. For the Grey Cup. You can text 630-630. We've had many of you writing in tonight. One unnamed texter says, Winnipeg over Edmonton. Few people taking a crossover team out of the West. 
to go to the East, win the division, be in the Grey Cup, including Kellen Kennedy, who took Edmonton over BC. Uh, speaking of insanely early predictions, here is the text of the night. All right. From an anonymous texter, didn't sign his or her name, which is unfortunate. The Edmonton Eskimos versus the Atlantic Schooners of Halifax in the Grey Cup 2027. Edmonton wins on a last-minute touchdown from CFL veteran and future Hall of Famer Johnny Manziel. That is a good one. That's a really good one. That's insanely, insanely, insanely early. (laughs) Free insanely. Save that text, whoever that is, because I don't know if our system will save it for nine years. In nine years, we may not even be texting. may just be using... Holographic beams. Oh, holographic beams and messages friends. will just appear yeah. floating in the edge in front of, floating in the air in front of me. Embedded in our special eye wrist. Or, or Google glasses. Yeah. They still make Google glasses. Didn't they have Google glasses? Where you had a little screen in your glasses so you can keep your head up and walk but still get your text messages. I think they're the still a thing, yeah. I think they're yeah. still a thing. I guess they didn't really catch on. You got text six thirty, six thirty. I do enjoy uh, all your texts. Kevin Jesus is on the line from Global Television. Hello, Kevin. Hey, man. How's it going? Kevin, you are the biggest soccer fan I know, so that's why I'm having you on the show. We also once worked together, and uh, you work at Global Television, so you get to come on and talk about soccer, not just tonight, but throughout World Cup 2018 in Russia. Sound fair? That's a a great thing, and, uh, you know, just to really jump in there really quick, uh, put me down for uh, Winnipeg if they can play 500 football while Nichols is out. Winnipeg for the Grey Cup. Over who? Oh, man, now you're putting me on the spot. But you know what? Let's say, uh, let's go Hamilton. All right, I just wrote it down. By the way, you will not be paid nor receive Northern Chicken for your appearances. Though some (laughs) guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, check out the new spring chicken menu with spring-inspired fixings. Start your salivating at northchickenyeg.com. Actually, I probably will give you a gift certificate to Northern Chicken. Well, now I'm hungry. You haven't gone vegan since you worked in Lloyd with me, did you? No, I have not gone vegan. Okay, good. So we'll get you some chicken. All right, I got to ask you something here, buddy. This is this is an interesting one. I, I referenced it earlier. The World Cup starts tomorrow. Spain plays its first game on Friday. And by the way, crazy Spain and Portugal got drawn into the same group, but they play each other, two of the top 12 teams in the world. Uh, Spain fired its coach today. What is going on? Yeah, you know, it was uh, complete chaos in uh, Russia this morning while we were up earlier. Some of us were up early watching the uh, World Cup draw. News broke that uh, Spain was going to be holding an impromptu news conference, and that's when they announced that they were firing Julian Lepedigui. And, um, yeah, 48 hours before their first game, that's pretty shocking. Now, the reason for that, um, from what has come out since, is yesterday... Um, he had uh, Real Madrid had announced that he was going to be their new manager at the conclusion of the World Cup, and while the Spanish uh, Federation didn't take too kindly to that, uh, obviously feeling that was a bit of a, uh, uh, a humiliation, if you will, that they learned about it uh, so soon before the World Cup, maybe a distraction. Although one would probably strongly argue that firing the coach is a bigger distraction than. Uh, and knowing that he's going to leave at the end, but well, that's just—they're just—they're just, just trying to. Extension. That's just mean, Kevin. They're just being mean. They're yeah. just being petty. <laughs> it is, and I mean, he had just signed a, a contract extension three weeks ago. So I mean, I, I think there was some bitter feelings there, 
Um, but look, at the end of the day, it's a great move for him by going to the you know best team in the world. Um, but I mean, it does come at a bit of a cost right now in that he misses out on an opportunity uh, to coach at the World Cup. And I mean, who knows how that's going to affect the team psyche going into uh, Friday's game against Portugal. All right, so Portugal won Euro a couple years ago. You are Portuguese. I know you were thrilled about that. Uh, you finally got over the heartbreak of Greece beating Portugal twice, including in the final in 2000. Well, you <laughs> forced me to watch every game in the tournament multiple times. Uh, Portugal's uh, good. Germany's obviously very good. Brazil's still up there. Uh, I know some people think France is, is going to make some noise. Give me uh, give me two or three teams. Here, give me this, Kevin. Give me a favorite and a dark horse to win or at least go to the semifinals. All right. Uh, favorite by far, Brazil. I think this is their tournament to lose. Um, I know they're coming off that humiliating, what was that, 8-1 loss to, to Germany there uh, four years ago. Uh, they're definitely back with uh, to redeem themselves. So I think this is Brazil's tournament for sure. In terms of a dark horse, I mean, you know what, I don't really want to call them a dark horse, but... No one really thinks of Uruguay, and I think that they are going to do extremely well. I have them winning Group A, and I could see them going quite far. Now, where they may run into trouble is that they did get a bit of a tough draw if they finish first, because then they'll end up playing the uh, second-place team in uh, either Portugal or Spain. Yep. And then from there, they would likely face France in the quarterfinals. So, I mean, they do have a tough road to, if they want to their way to the final but they certainly have the talent they could absolutely do so by the way just it was interesting to me i went through the world rankings of all the teams and two of the three worst teams in this tournament got drawn into the same pool russia and saudi arabia right which is <laughs> quite a quite a break for russia though i still don't think they're going to be good enough to get out of group a kevin obviously the uh, world cup is coming to canada in 2026 and I know somebody said, hey, Reed, you're saying Canada's going to be in it. Technically, that's not confirmed, though I, I can't imagine FIFA leaving a host out, especially since they're expanding to 48 teams. Your thoughts on what, how Canada gets from ranked 79th to at least being a respectable competitive host in eight years? Well, I mean, number one, having John Herdman as their coach certainly helps. I mean, he's had great success with the women's program, and here's hoping that he'll be able to do the same with the men's team. Uh, I mean, we have, obviously, Alfonso Davies, um, who's our, our new you know superstar in the making here. Um, so, I mean, that's helping. But quite frankly, you know, the, just the sheer fact that this is happening, all eyes are, are now on Canada. So you're going to start seeing more money put towards Canadian soccer. So maybe they can get some more scouts going. Maybe they can be paying attention to some of these players that before we haven't really noticed. And again, knowing that 2026 is here, perhaps they'll have some players that won't necessarily decide to suit up for another country. And they'll decide to stay here with Canada because they, let's call a spade a spade. They're guaranteed to be playing in 2026. I don't think has announced it, but we know that that's going to happen. Um, so to me, I think it's really important that they qualify for 2022 in Qatar. I think that would be hugely beneficial for the program. Um, but if anything, they should you know, be really competitive. And the expanded format will lend itself to that because there should be six teams coming out of CONCACAF plus a playoff. So there's no reason why they shouldn't get out of here. Kevin, we'll have you on throughout the tournament. Thanks for weighing in tonight, buddy. No worries, man. Anytime. Kevin Jesus from Global Television. He is a soccer fanatic. He'll be watching every second of the World Cup. 
The Big L says, Reed, the Eskimos will beat the Stampeders, who will be the East crossover team 21-12 in the Grey Cup, and Ovechkin will still be celebrating this spring Stanley Cup. That is from the Big L. And Wade and Entwistle, just across the river from Evansburg, says Edmonton 33, Toronto 22 in the Grey Cup. I think the Eskimos are going to be good. I think they're going to have a good year. Very competitive in the West. Fun show tonight. Thanks to everybody who texted in. Besides Kevin Jesus, you heard from Doug Brown and Dave Campbell previewing tomorrow's Eskimos game. 5 o'clock countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Chet. Game at 6.30. Bruce Wilson and FC Edmonton owner Tom Fath were talking about the World Cup. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Enjoy the football game tomorrow. I will talk to you Friday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.